What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Opus Podcast. This is our podcast on Raveling Songs. My name is Josh Kumar. And I'm Lana Holgado. Y'all ready to know what it is? This is our NDR Spotlight. We're bringing you the best and the brightest that the streets have to offer. And folks, coming at you from LA, we got one of them with us today. She's a singer, songwriter, producer, bassist. Please give it up for the one and only Ronnie Uddy. Yay! Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Really thrilled to have you here. So uh, we were talking a little bit before we started, but you're actually from Philly originally, right? Yes, I am from Philadelphia, born and raised. Well, so how does uh, how did you find yourself uh, going out to LA? Um, I went to USC, like University of Southern California for their music school. So I moved to LA for college and I graduated in 2021 and haven't left. I like love it here. Yeah, sure. So uh, when you were thinking about applying for colleges and stuff like that, you uh, you were thinking that music was going to be the path that you were going to be following down there? Yeah, I didn't even really consider schools that like didn't have great music programs. Um, and then I almost ended up going to NYU, but um, LA just called my name a little bit stronger than New York. Gotcha. I like how you had the two iconic like East Coast and West Coast cities and you decided to pick <laughs> the best one. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's cool. Winter kind of sucks. So I understand that. Uh, but let's start from back from the beginning then. Uh, what was sort of your first experience with music? Uh, and when do you start like playing, start picking it up? Um, that's a great question. I recently actually, this is so funny. I recently found a video of me when I was, I think it was like nine or 10. And I made a fake vlog like me talking to the camera and I was like hey guys it's Ronnie you might know me from like my really famous band Pink Tuxedo um and I just like made up this whole story and um I just thought that was like a funny anecdote but I started music when I was um in elementary school it was like fourth grade was we my school had this thing that you just like went into the auditorium and tried a bunch of instruments and I had bought a flute and I thought I wanted to be a flautist. Like I was down bad for flute. Um, didn't play, didn't even open the flute, just like thought I wanted that. But every other person in my elementary school also wanted to play flute. So the teacher like had people blow into it and like, I couldn't make a sound immediately. So she was like, oh, you can't play it then. Like, that's not an option. What? Which ended up, no. I was so upset in the moment, but I always look back to that moment as being a pivotal moment in my life because she told me I couldn't play the flute. So I was like, okay, like I, I'll, I'll play. I picked up violin for like a year and then I switched to upright bass. Um, but like, I think about that moment and I'm like, say I, she had just let everybody play flute, which she should have, but say that she had let me play flute. Like, I don't know if I would be a musician today. You know, like, I just don't know if that would have been like, I feel like it was like almost the universe being like, like pushing like I have no idea like I doubt I would have loved I loved music so deeply but like and I probably would have found my way to a different instrument eventually but I just don't know if I ever would have picked up bass in the way that I did like um but the reason I I chose to switch to bass was I was really obsessed with the Naked Brothers band in <laughs> elementary school mm -hmm. and Rosalina from the Naked Brothers band was like a girl bassist so I was like I want to be Rosalina I want to be mm -hmm. Rosalina. Um, so I bought like my dad for 
who's my 11th birthday bought me an electric bass um and I didn't really I wasn't like I didn't really practice it but like I owned it and then a few years later I was like wait this is a really great instrument I want to get better at it so yeah that's really cool I love that progression Oh yeah, my first bass is like sitting next to me and it's called um her name is Rosalina. So ah, I love that. <laughs> That's really nice. Wait, can you just like show it for the camera real quick? Oh, of course. If it's like of okay. Course. No, I was like, do I pick it up? It's like hanging yes. on my wall. I have like a an instrument wall right there that you guys like aren't seeing, but Rosalina, my first baby. She was like my first love, honestly. Uh, she's beautiful. Hi, Rosalina. Yeah, I refuse to. I have a electric that I play now, and her name is Cleo. Um, and she's five string. She's the best bass ever. But it took me years to be able to like. I was like, N I don't ever want to get a different bass. Like this bass is like everything. But then I got a better bass, and I was like, okay. Is Rosalina retired, or is she does she only come out for like special occasions? Oh, Rosalina, like my bass. Yeah. She just quality wise, like she was great for a starter bass and stuff but the bass i have now is just like so much higher quality of sound so she makes appearances in videos sometimes and stuff like that like i play her sometimes because she's such a she's such an iconic part but i don't i have like a fender mustang too that i use sometimes but she's not like my i don't really play her as much anymore but i can't ever let her go i feel like i have mm -hmm. to keep her. yeah you can't yeah you always got to keep the first oh always yeah, she's my baby. I got you. So did you end up playing bass like through high school and stuff? And is that how you is that the instrument you auditioned for colleges with? Yeah. So like it's interesting when I started to take music seriously, there was like a moment that happened. So I like kind of like I would like practice sometimes for like 30 minutes a day throughout elementary school, throughout middle school. But like I wasn't progressing at all because like I wasn't actually practicing. I didn't know how to practice properly, but I was taking mm -hmm. lessons. And I remember my teacher really willing that like I needed to practice. And like, I would practice sometimes but it wouldn't be like consistent. Um, and then I went to in, um, in what was it? Summer going into my junior year of high school, I went to Berkeley five week in Boston. And the first day I was there, there was a jam session with kids my age. And that was the first time that I had seen people that were my age playing music at such an insanely high level. Like the level was unbelievable. And I remember in that moment, like I saw these people that were my age playing just things that I had like never even like known that was possible at that age. And I, I just like realized I was like, oh my God, I am, I need to be practicing for like six to eight hours a day mm -hmm. in order to even remotely catch up to where they are right now. And I started practicing six to eight hours a day, every single day when I was 16, like I was like, and it, and I practiced that much for years. Like I would get the hours in, like I would skip a lunch period at school. Like I would wake up early in the morning. I would like take classes that like allowed me to like literally I would just like make sure I got the hours in even in college like I um would have all my classes structured in the morning like I didn't want to have a class past 11 a.m like no matter what I say like absolutely had to um and then I would practice like literally the entire day like I just for years did that um it was super and I was just into jazz at that point like I was mm -hmm. just like jazz 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 that is like 
yeah it was it was honestly like wild Dang, that, yeah, that, that really feels like a formative moment that was just like kicks your ass and you'd be like, well, buckle down. yeah i'm like so so grateful for that like i just think about that specific moment in time like when i meet buddy asks me like what was the shift that happened for me like there's a video of me like from when i was 15 um to when i was 16 to when i was 17 to when i was 18 like there are three videos that are like all filmed a year apart of me playing upright and the growth was like actually insane like how quickly it happened but it was And I remember in the moment, I was like always so hard on myself and stuff. And now I look back at those videos and I was like, whoa, that's like wild what happens when you just stay so committed to something. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I feel like you're the first person we've had on the podcast who's said that they're like, I was a jazz musician and I like grinded hard at my instrument. instrument. Like a lot of people I feel like who've been on have been like, yeah, I learned, like either they were like forced into an instrument by their parents and then they realized that they prefer that they preferred songwriting and then they like used it as like, a supplement and then they like taught themselves um taught themselves producing and then but i feel like it's like really interesting to hear you come from like that perspective of that background and i think it really shows like in your production as well thank you so much um that's so sweet i like the musicality part of music is just like so important to me. Like I want to make music that people like music, music is made to be moved forward. And that's like what I learned as I got older, I was like, I don't want to be just a jazz musician for the rest of my life and like play in clubs that no one cares about. But like, I loved jazz so much and it gave me this, like such an incredibly solid foundation that I could build on and like learn from. Um, and it like helped train my ears and like, I just singing and songwriting weren't not as like none of it. I like had to really work so hard at these instruments and stuff. And singing wasn't something I started doing until much later in my life. Yeah. So then where did the shift from like only playing jazz, only practicing bass into like developing other parts of your musical uh, toolbox come that's a great question. And I have a very concrete answer. So um, basically, when I was in college, my freshman year, I was just in the jazz program. And as much as this is like, unfortunate, jazz is just like riddled with misogyny, like it is one of the most misogynistic forms of music, like the music itself is great. It's like white jazz patriarchy that has been created by the institutionalization of jazz music, like it's specifically like, white jazz men white straight jazz men that i'm directing this towards mm -hmm. i'm not talking about people of color at all like i'm talking about white straight jazz men that have intellectualized jazz to the point and they're such misogynists like it's actually crazy like i was working harder than anybody i literally ever met at that instrument and was playing at such a high level the music program at usc there was like a popular music program that was run by the head of it is um, this woman named Patrice Russian, who is one of the best musicians of all time. She, one of her songs from like the eighties is still trending on TikTok. It's called forget me nots. It's like the bass one. That's like, do you guys know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. And there's like the meme with like the person, like 
smashing the face. Do you know what I'm talking? Like the cap cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she is the head of the the pop program, and she like. There's like no women in the pop program, um, in the jazz program also, given in mind, no women. So I wanted to get better at electric because I was so focused on upright and I really wanted to join the pop program too. So my sophomore year, she was like, join the pop program, just do a double major, like we'll make it work. So I joined the pop program my sophomore year, was in the double major and that was the best music program I think that exists. Like, it's funny because you would think like the jazz program would be like everything, the pop program just, cut the jazz program in half. Like it was like this, like the first two years of that program, you learn, like you're split into bands like every quarter and you learn um, like three songs a week that you have to have memorized and like you perform them in class and then you get feedback from like mm-hmm. these unbelievable professors and everybody's like relying on you to really know the music and like everybody knows your parts. So it's like, it's cool to care and you're really not cool if you don't care. Mm-hmm. And then like, so many big artists are coming out of that program like Remy Wolf is like one of the biggest ones that she graduated in 2018 and she was in the pop program there's like a laundry list of so many up-and-coming artists that are from that program but um yeah so that was like joining the pop program just showed me like all of these other genres of music that are equally important and like so incredible and I'm just so grateful that Patrice really took me under her wing and like just exposed me that to so much music and like made me realize that music is made to be moved forward yeah that's so cool like how it's set up with the bands and everything what other genres um did you learn so we started so the way that the pop program started was the first year was like early pop music so it was like Motown into like the end of the year was like the end of the 90s like Motown into the 90s and then like the second year is 70s on like 70s on so it was like music from today and music from like the 70s but it was like so it started with Motown so we literally started and went through popular music history so I was learning James Jamerson is like the most famous like he's not like bassists know who he is like but he it played on every single Motown record and the Motown bass lines are some of the greatest bass lines ever made like if you're a bassist and listening to this podcast, learn every single James Jamerson baseline. He's on every record from Motown, from like the Jackson Five stuff to like um, the Supremes to like Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Like he's on everything. Um, James Brown, like he. So that was we did that for like um, the first year was like all the Motown um, until like the late '90s was at the end of the year. And then 70s on. Yeah. So it was crazy. Like you, I learned so much vocabulary in that class. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I think like that's uh really cool though. But in turn, so how does you find yourself like transitioning from, you know, like now that you kind of like expanded your repertoire into uh actually like first off, uh, how did you like end up uh joining with Duff Cameron and uh their crew over there? Oh, that's an interesting question. This is so interesting. This is a good thing about networking. So networking is crazy. It's such a long-term game. So when I was at Berkeley five week that mm-hmm. summer, that I went crazy. And I did that, that program twice. But the first year I was there, there was another girl bassist named Sophie Patrikas, um there. And she's the bassist for Fletcher. She's super sick. I love Sophie. Um, and she DM'd me last year and she was like, she was just like, hey, Ronnie, like, do you still play upright? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I do. And she's like, going to refer you for something. And then I got a DM about the Dove thing, and it was really cool. I was, like, really excited. That's insane. Wait, so 
just like off of that Berkeley thing from like what five years back at that point or something it was like many yeah it was like so many years ago it was crazy like she just remembered me and knew and we like followed each other and she just like referred me I like I there's not that many people that like play upright that are women so that are like in the LA pop music scene it's like a very specific niche I feel like I got Um, you yeah so uh oh so wait you end up linking uh with Dove through Sophie there and then like Dove's MD like DM'd me because she's pretty separate from like everything she does yeah gotcha okay cool so then what was you so you ended up playing like I think like Ellen and Jimmy Fallon right mm-hmm. yeah so what was that experience like there um it was super cool like Ellen was really interesting it was in LA so it was like a one day thing we had like rehearsals the week before um and then we did them and it was great um dove is so sweet um she's such a nice person and then the fallon thing was so fun like it was so fun so we flew to new york and we were there i think if i like did that again i would definitely like extend my stay in new york i was only in new york for like three days and i love new york city like i grew up going there like every weekend i'm down bad for new york yeah that's such a philly kid thing to say oh my god down bad for new york city like and so many of my friends live there like i want to live there for a year, for um, for a month at some point this year, but mm-hmm. I want to finish my second EP before I do that, or like have it mostly done, so I can just like network there and stuff. But um, it was so cool. Like Fallon was a really beautiful experience. I'm so grateful. Like it was just, um, I feel like the stage setup was really cool. Dove absolutely killed it. Everybody on the crew was really cool. I was like a lot younger than everybody. Like, um like everybody were like older men and it was just like me (laughs) (laughs) just killing it in the upgrade game killing it yeah mad respect by the way like i was uh i was a violin player for like um going i think i played a little bit in college but mostly just like up until high school too uh but like so like i always have mad respect for anybody who can like for one wield an instrument like that big and like hefty and all that but also like coax a sound out of that that takes like a lot of like talent and experience it was literally practicing technique. Like I would practice technique for two to three hours a day, like for years, just technique. Mm. I mean, I think it like obviously shows if you were able to just on like, you know, even you back then and like the Berkeley program were able to, uh, you know, spin that into gigs like five, six years later or whatever. Um, I think that that's just really a testament to like the town and the work that you put in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. That's so yeah. sweet. Uh, want to transition though because uh, we talked a little bit about you know you developed your own expertise when it comes to bass uh, in particular but uh, how did you and then when it comes to like switching out to starting producing singing writing your own tracks and stuff uh, for one what's really the creative drive to enter into that field as opposed to like you know being one of those people who's just like playing in jazz clubs uh, you know all the time so in college like um that's an interesting question I had a funk band called Cerulean which I was the band leader for in college and I wrote these crazy funk tunes they were like insane and like very like Wolfpack meets Snarky Puppy mm-hmm. meets Bad Bad Not Good if those names ring a bell but like mm-hmm. super like heavy on the bass and I never thought I could sing so I didn't even like think of that as an option so like it was like almost like the ba- the bass lines were like just so insane and like that was And I like loved that. And it was such an instrumental part of like my music journey. But like after my junior year, I went like abroad for part of it. And then after junior year, I was kind of like, um, 
I was just not as interested in pursuing that as much as artistry. And like, I started taking singing lessons um, and I was like, hmm, like maybe I can do this. So then I, and at that time I kind of started like dabbling in production as well. Like going into my senior year, I was like super, and I started hanging out with my friend Cole Mitchell, who is a co-producer on the project. And he is one of the greatest producers of all time. Like he truly has been producing since he was nine. He just basically like helped me, showed me a lot of the ropes for a lot of it. Um, and then we would like sesh together. And then I would like work a ton on my own also for all the music. And like, he just helped me really find my sound as an artist. Um, and he like believed in me so much. He was just like, you. we got paired up for like a songwriting like a songwriting like we got paired up for like a school project and that's the start of my artistry which is kind of like my artistry is like we got paired up for a school project we weren't really friends we wrote star kissed that night Mm. um literally in one night we wrote it and then we were like hmm and he was like you should sing this and I was like okay like I guess so then I just like tracked the vocals and the vocals that I tracked that that um at that time like ended up being the vocals that we used for the final song really (laughs) so crazy you just like nailed that in one go it was like I mean I definitely there's like a lot of like we like edited them and there were a lot of takes and stuff that Mm -hmm. we worked through um and Cole's such a great like vocal engineer like he's amazing at like mixing and stuff um and he's just he is like going to be the biggest producer in the entire world in the next five years. I'm not even kidding, but he, he like, it was so great. And he's such a like force. Um, so we, yeah, I tracked all the vocals and we like messed with them. Um, and yeah, it ended up being that song. And then a few years later, then we, I ended up dropping it um, and draw and I had finished like my EP has been done for a sack. Um, but the rollout has been kind of slow. It's like just so much work as an independent artist. And I'm like, doing so much and I want to make sure that I'm doing it smart but I'm excited to now start dropping music more consistently also Mm -hmm. yeah I've been following I've been following since the falling rollout and I remember being really excited for it and like it's cool to see like you know that all the other things that you've been dropping and like you know hearing about your EP and stuff because mm. I didn't know you were leading up to an EP honestly until you told me about it okay that's actually tea I need to be like marketing it but I, yeah. want to, I should like market it before I even like have it because uh, I'm working I felt like I should like announce the EP coming out when I'm um when I have like a pre-save link but maybe I should just be like mm-hmm. I'm really I mean, I don't know how, you know, people, the advice changes so often of like what to do. So it's like, I don't, I don't really know. But like, I just feel like the more people, especially, especially as an independent artist, I feel like the more people like know that a thing exists, the better. No, truly. That was like one of the things with Starkist that I feel like I did that was really smart is like, a lot of people say not to do this, but like I think it's the reason that song has done the best is that I gave myself literally eight weeks to promote it. And I did it and I promoted it twice a day, every single day for eight weeks on TikTok only, not on Instagram. I felt like that would be a lot, but like. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's definitely 
valuable because of like the way the algorithm is going to be reaching people and all. And like people's like we sometimes uh, artists will talk about single rollouts in terms of like three month timelines, like leading up before. So I feel like, especially as an independent artist, when you're just trying to like build hype, especially like, you know, nobody's ever heard of you before, uh, or at least like, you know, your following is very huge. So yeah, why not just like throw it up as much as you can get as much hype as you can for it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's definitely something I'm going to try to do with, um, like start, I'll probably start promoting toxic paradise, like the EP, but I think I'm going to do like the, cause there's an intro and an outro and then there's like one single that has a feature on it. So I'll probably promote the, that one song from the project the most. And, but the intro and outro are a vibe. So I don't know. Yeah. I they honestly are. like, they're so, I feel like you need to, I I don't know if you weren't going, if you weren't going to plan on promoting them much, but I feel like they would do really well, like as like TikTok sounds, you know what I mean? Honestly, you probably have a really good point. I was thinking about that too, because I like, I feel like they're very transition sounds and kind of like, mm-hmm. giving likes, like, uh, I hope TikTok doesn't get banned. I've been like low-key freaking out about it. I don't think it's going to get banned. They're, They've like, been saying that for forever. Yeah, they'll, they'll force a sale or something before they do that. But I don't know. I guess Instagram Reels is your alternative, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, U.S. geopolitics aside, I actually did want to get into Starkist because, uh, for one, the idea that you were sitting on that for like two years is really crazy to me because of how good it was. Um, we wrote it a few years ago, but we didn't like produce it out until like 2021. Like we like started it in like fall 2020 and then like didn't like, and then we didn't touch it for like such a long period of time. And then we were like, probably like eight months before it came out, we started like actually working on the song and the production. We were like, Hmm, this has potential to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Tame Impala. Like I absolutely love Tame Impala. And I also love James Blake. So like when we wrote Starkist, our references were like Tame Impala and James Blake. And then for a while, it was like this demo that didn't have bass on it or anything. And so I was like, how do I make this more like me and stuff? So I just started like literally messing around. And like, then I created the different bass lines on it, which are like basically counterpoint to the melody. Um, I feel like the melody sits really high. And then there's like this like fat bass on the bottom, which the bass line was definitely inspired a lot by like um, Tame Impala, like Currents was like a huge like inspiration for Starkist. And also like James Blake Overgrown, the album Overgrown, specifically Digital Lion um, was like a huge yeah, so those two artists were like the biggest. Yeah, I definitely hear those influences there. And I really like this sort of the way that, uh, you know, like the vocal is very high and the instrumentation is kind of like, like as sort of that counterpoint, like you were saying was low. It creates that like really like beautiful like dissonance that you just kind of like sort of live in that soundscape, you know? Definitely, definitely.
you developed that one uh, back in fall of 2020. When did you sort of get the idea for like the whole idea of um, making a full length EP and just trickling out the singles from there? Totally. So um, I knew I wanted to the like with um, Starkist. So in 2021, like at the beginning of 2021, I had a bunch of like starts of things. Like I had like a, a start of Fallen, like um, that I had made in October, 2020. Like I had a little bit of a start for it. I had like a start for, um, I had the start of like uh, self-control. Like we had like these starts, but like none of them are fleshed out at all. And I, January 20, um, 21, like I just had this realization that I was like, I am never going to be able to be an artist if I don't like not this project is not going to happen if I don't work on it and I just like started producing so much like I was like I would hone in on one song and like work on it like every single day for like a month and then I would take like it was weird like I would work on it so much and then not touch it for a long period of time and then like finish it in one go like and I would like go to Kohl's and we would like spend the weekend like working on stuff and like writing new things. Um, and so I, we made those like in 2021 slash 2022, like we worked on the project and like made a lot of it. And then um, I, the four songs were like done. Cause like there were other songs that never made it onto the project obviously like that's every artist has that those were like the four that I liked the most and then I had Amber feature on it which was super great she's like my mentor and she's in this band called Moonchild if you guys have heard of them they're just like a dope neo soul band um but she's like the feature on it but um I wanted a project that had a story arc because I feel like that's so lacking in the industry so Toxic Paradise came like out of like each song goes into the next and it loops from start to finish. Um, and it's the concept behind it is like relationships that are toxic, but underlyingly euphoric. Cause that's a really a big theme in my life. Like I think about my relationship to queerness, my relationships in queer relationships, also my relationship to Adderall. Like I was prescribed Adderall as an eight-year-old. And then by the time I was 14 I was on 60 XR every single day which is double the legal dose that you can be prescribed now and that is a huge reason why I can practice the way that I did like people don't like that part I sometimes like leave out when I tell people I was like oh I was practicing like eight hours a day for every every day for years and people are like how did you do that and I'm like well I was like really heavily medicated so um which caused literally the side effects were like absolutely crazy like I never slept I never ate I couldn't be present all I was doing was like my obsession with music was just like really unhealthy honestly like but that made me into the musician I am today and now it's like so healthy and I like just like love it and stuff but um yeah so um self-control is about Adderall which I don't always tell people because I feel like it's very specific but it's about like my relationship to like dependency and relapse and like trying to find myself off of a medication that really structured who I was as a person.
classic, but underlying euphoric and the intro take me home is supposed to be kind of like a prelude to the whole project. It has like elements of every song in that intro and then memory lapse goes through all the songs on this like piano ballad outro, um, like the progressions. And then you have like the songs coming in in reverse at the end. And then I just, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm sorry. That was just like a I lot just saw of... Josh's face when he said the thing about the Adderall. Because <laughs> he's a medical boy. Oh, yeah. The 60X. Not everybody understands what 60XR means. I literally weighed 115 pounds. I weighed 115 pounds on 60XR Adderall. Like, I was also like so underweight, too. Like, I was, I was just like underweight. Like, but it was like an eating disorder that was caused by just never being like it was really bad it was not good yeah hold on I'm just like okay I want to get to the music I'm just going to take a quick sign up but like your doctor prescribed that like it started okay so just to give you a backstory so it started when I was eight I started on Stratera um which is like not as strong as Adderall obviously I don't know if you know that it only works on 13 percent of people when I was in eighth grade, in seventh grade, I wasn't doing great in school. Like I was probably getting B's and C's. When I was in eighth grade, I started Adderall at the beginning of eighth grade. And then I started getting straight A's, like A's, like literally never got lower than an A for the rest of my schooling, like ever. Um, And it started at 20 milligrams. And by the time I was a freshman in, um, by the time I was a freshman in, high school I was on 60xr every single day when I was a sophomore I got prescribed 80 and it was like 60xr and then like 20 of a short release and I took it one time and it made me fucking crazy like I was already bad shit because I was just so so over prescribed Adderall but like then um, I, yeah, when I was, yeah, it was, it was literally crazy. Like I would never wish that upon anyone. Yeah. I only took the 80 twice in my entire life. Cause it actually made me like, I'm not an angry person. I never yell. Like I'm very, I do not believe in yelling as a thing. Like I just don't believe in it. Just be nice to people and talk. But like, it made me the angriest I've ever felt in my entire life. Like it, it made me like physically crazy. Like I kind of want to yell at whoever prescribed you that because like, oh my gosh, that's like, oh, yeah. oh wow. I'm really glad I, that you are alive and talking to us now. And yeah. you seem like a very nice, well-adjusted person. And I'm like, so I was so not grounded when I was on Adderall and now I'm like so present and grounded, which is so great. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um. That's what self-control, if you listen to the lyrics and self-control, now that you know this backstory, it makes the song hit a lot fucking mm-hmm. harder. Yeah, I, I love, I, I yeah, I love songs oh, yeah. that aren't about, you know, that are like, people think is about one thing, but it's about another, you know, so it's like, I love, I love songs like that. Um, but, and so that's what really drew me to it. But when did you, when did you get off of Adderall? So that's like the, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, so when I, right before my 22nd birthday, I went through this like really extreme period where I like was really faced with like the demons that are like 
with Adderall that go with Adderall, like just the lack of being able to be present. Like I literally would just do things and say things that were like, so it made me like socially, like almost in some, my friends say that it didn't, but like, I feel like the way that I acted socially was just like, I was just always in my head. Like it was really hard for me to like be fully present. And I'm not on the spectrum also like given in mind, like I'm not on the spectrum. Cause like, I feel like that can also effect, but like, I'm not at all. Like I'm, I just was on too much Adderall. Um, and I literally had this epiphany. I was like, I need to get the fuck off this medication. I don't know who I am without it. Like I've never gone a day with, I never went a day without it for fucking like years, like never went a day without it. Like had never not taken it. So I was like, I have no idea who I am without this drug. So then I, on my 22nd birthday, I literally took the pill bottle and I burned it all. I like burned it all, which was what? Like at a ceremony for my birthday that my sister led and, and in self-control, the bridge, this is like, I've never really talked to anybody about this. Like Cole knows about it because we wrote it together, but like the bridge of self-control is like, burn it to like, I can't like keep living like it there's a lyric that's like burn it to the fucking ground burn it burn it and it literally is talking about me burning the pills in a fucking fire and it's like 13 years I've gone astray like I can't treat myself this way like burn it burn it but like that but it ends with like I can't let you go let you go because like even though that happened then like quarantine hit um a little bit after that and I just was in this kind of like, I didn't take it. The first time I went off Adderall, I felt like my soul was chained inside my body for 13 years of my life. And it was finally free. I have never played music at as high of a level as the gig that the first time I played music at like the highest level I had ever played at that point was a gig I had like a week after I stopped taking Adderall. I had this like wedding gig and I'm not even kidding. I had never played bass that way. Like everybody on the gig was like, how did you get like years better in the span of a week? And I was just like, I could just be fully present. It was like everything I had ever practiced just like flowed out of my body and like flowed through me. Um, and then it was like kind of a journey, like over quarantine, I self-control had not been written yet. Also mm-hmm. in mind. self-control was written at a period of time where I had like relapsed on Adderall and I wasn't taking, I can't, I can never take 60XR of them. Like, I just don't even know how that was possible. Like, but I started taking like 10 milligrams of short release. And I started taking, like, I just started experimenting with like different doses and it just was like really affecting my mental health and stuff. So that's what self, that was like what birds self-control was like that experience. But now I'm not on it. Also, you can't even get it anymore. So it's like fully- um out of stock everywhere yeah yeah uh sure i mean like <laughs> they're just giving 60 i'm 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 gonna stop harping on this point uh you have lived so much in 23 years yeah how old are you 23 24 yeah 24 24 no, no, i'm 25 i'm 25 are you 25 okay never mind. oh shoot but you graduated I, 2021 2021 because i did a five-year program because i did a dog bowl major gotcha okay cool, cool. yeah yeah, there's like so many I feel like there's so many layers to your life yeah we you know because we, we talked about the we talked about the like learning you know practicing bass five hours a day and then we added the you know the you're on Adderall major I feel like we haven't 
very much delved into the queer layer, which is what I was very excited to get into as a fellow chaotic queer. Um, do you want to talk good. a little bit about like how that has influenced your music? Oh, yes, 100%. So I, queerness is everything to me. Like I absolutely love being queer. Like it is such a blessing to be queer. And like, I grew up in like my immediate family, like was very accepting. I came out when I was 14, 14. I was fucking 14 when I came out. It was crazy. Like, and so I started dating women when I was 15. Um, and I had like a serious girlfriend. that was like a few years older than me when I was like literally 15. It was crazy. And like, she wasn't that much older. She was like a junior when I was a freshman, but, um, I, I just like my lens in life has always been through the queer experience. Like I never, the closet never really existed. Like it's made of glass. Like I realized I was queer and then immediately told like everybody in my life. Um, and I've struggled with different stuff, but I just like worked through a lot of the internalized homophobia when I was like in high school. So it doesn't affect me and I can love so freely now. And then in my music, it's like queerness is everything. So I've dated a lot of women that aren't like most people that are queer no I've never dated anybody that's like had the same other than my first girlfriend who was like super queer and like super proud to be queer and stuff um everybody I dated after that was like either closeted um or like um closet adjacent like if that makes sense like they're or just had like an incredible amount of internalized homophobia that they would like really take out on their relationship and I don't blame them for anything like I was young and also way overprescribed Adderall. So I doubt I was like a fucking saint of a person. All I cared about was base. Like truly like that was like my priority was like over anything. But the music I like Starkist is about this closeted queer relationship I was in in college that was like only closeted in the way that she like, I remember at her um, birthday party, like I met a bunch of people that were like her really close friends. We had been dating for nine months at that point. And she... I like introduced me myself like and this was someone I was dating for nine months in college and we were like not a closeted couple in the way that I thought we were I didn't think we were a closeted couple and I met a bunch of her friends and they had no idea who I was mm. so that's what Starkist was like birthed about like but yeah Starkist is about closeted queer love Fawn is about falling in love with like the wrong person really like um same with Toxic Paradise they're about the same person and then yeah, it's, I just, I write a lot about, like, the lens of, like, being in love with women and stuff, and on my, like, what I'm trying to do even, like, moving forward now is, like, just writing unapologetically queer songs that have nothing to do with being, like, nothing to do with being closet, like, the closet or anything like that. Yeah, that's what we need. writing songs being, like, I, like, about my queer experiences, but just as them, as relationships. Oh, yeah, dude. I love being I like love being bisexual like I've I like probably will end up with a woman woman because like that's like what I see for myself but I wrote this in my journal when I was in eighth grade and I was like maybe I'm bi I have more options now yay (laughs) (laughs) the TikToks where you read your journals are so funny they're so good oh wait I should do more of I have I've been an avid journaler since I was um like nine so I have hundreds of journals like and I would journal every single day for like years and years and years I still do um so I just have like crazy amounts of journal I like know everything about my my life is like very documented 
that I yeah I could never keep a journal but I like admire people who have like such good records of their lives is that yeah you should definitely do more because those were very golden I will coming up period I really like how your life is just cycles of like extremely like good and like healthy like habits and stuff like that like paired with like very chaotic uh, living it's really cool I mean the contrast is very nice it's I've been in therapy since I was 11 and with the same therapist. Wow. Um, shout out to Julie. Time. I know she's going to listen to this probably. So shout out to Julie, but like, um, we still see each other every week. And I think that I asked to go to therapy. My parents didn't like put me in therapy. I was like, I had a friend who had a mom that was a therapist and she like had recommended it to me. She's like, you need therapy. And I was like, okay, bet. I'll just ask my dad <laughs> for therapy. Need no questions asked. He like found Julie. Julie was like the first person he found. She lived five minutes from my parents' house been with her ever since that's so oh man that's so good that your parents were just like no resistance just like yeah okay I have like the greatest truly like as chaotic and crazy and my family's like wild don't get me wrong we have our problems but the thing about my parents oh my god I'm not gonna cry (laughs) the thing about my parents that has allowed me to be who I am and like to make the music I make and to be to exist so fearlessly like I'm not even kidding I feel nothing like nothing I feel like the delusion of all that is because they just at the foundation and at my core they love me more than anything and have instilled in me that like there is nothing I could do that would like waver the way that they feel for me like they unconditionally love me to the greatest degree possible. Like there's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could say that would waver that security in me. And I think when you grow up with the foundation that like you are so loved and they want us, me to be my most authentic self to tell them they're never, I've never been punished for anything. Like I grew up in a household that I could literally tell my parents about everything that was going on in my life. And it was a safe space and they would like give me advice, but they would never force me never force me to practice. They never forced me. They just supplied me with like the tools and resources. And like, yes, they are a huge reason why I was on that much Adderall, but I don't blame them for it. Like, it was just like why, what they thought was the best thing for me and what I thought was the best thing for myself at that time too. So yeah, good parents though. That's so good. They seem like the best parents ever. Oh, my God. I love them. Love them. I'm just going to... Okay, yeah, I'm literally getting emotional right now. But, oh, my God. Some of your TikToks that I've seen, they were, like... I forget if it was about falling or what, but you had, like, this whole story about, like, that lady who was about... Oh, my God, no. Okay, that's so (laughs) funny that you bring that up. I literally sat down and I was like, what is the most outlandish shit I could say to blow my song up? Like, and then I, yeah, I was like, oh my God. And then you started, and then you had like a different story. I was like, no, no, literally. <laughs> I've had a few people ask me about that. I literally also like my, the friend that like, I, I love acting, which I tell mostly the truth on TikTok. But when it comes to like blowing up a song, I was like, I'll do like most of the stuff. Everything I posted for Starkist was accurate. Everything I posted for self-control was like mostly accurate, but sometimes I would be like, this is, this can be like a breakup song, like about you not being able to let go of a lever. Cause I, I knew that if I was like, this is about Adderall, it, no one would like understand that necessarily, um, which I tried to do, but for Fallen, like the affair thing was like, I literally sat down and I was like, what is the most outlandish shit I can say? 
And I, and I specifically phrased it in theoretical, like I was like, theoretically, uh-huh. and that's how I started it. So I wasn't actually lying. I was just saying a theoretical scenario. I see. I see. Um, and I did that with Starkist too. Like there was a video that I was like, um, it was like, put a finger down delusional edition. I was like the most delusional thing, la la la. And it was about like Tame Impala working on the song with me. And I got like 3000 streams from that. Start, that video like blew up and got me like 3000 streams in one day. And which I'm a small independent artist. I've only had music out for like six months. So it's like, that was a lot for me in one day. Um, and it helped trigger the Spotify algorithm. So my mentality is like, just say things. And like, if you phrase it in certain ways, like theoretically or like delusionally and like make it so it's actually like not like if they want to believe it's a fact, they can. But like, if you actually listen to the story, like I never say it actually happened. Damn. Okay. I'm literally writing this down. Marketing. Write that down, Josh. <laughs> it's like a marketing tactic, like just saying outlandish shit and seeing the reaction and gauge. Dude, we can like literally talk to you for like hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm just so I'm just, enthralled. I'm like, this is one of the first interviews I've ever done because like I'm a small artist and I'm independent. So like no one, like when you hit me up, I was literally so excited. I was like, Yay. I have so much I want to say. Like, yeah and you guys had good questions I also like the project is so concretely thought out so I was like it's very I just I like thought about like what to say like it's such a like specific there's such a story arc to it and like I just now I'm like I need to get into a few more interviews before it comes out or something like this is so great I gotcha I mean you gotta come back sometime yeah yeah Anytime. Yeah, let us know. Project on the way. Yeah, definitely. Whenever you want to come back. Okay. I'll like let you know when I'm releasing the first single for the second project, which will probably be. I'm hoping to release first single in August, so I have like the summer to promote the fuck out of Toxic Paradise, and then be like, actually, let's drop a banger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The second project is like already so much stronger than the first, which is really exciting. That, I can't even that's imagine. That's a high bar, like, so I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah. I, for a while, was, like, so scared that it wouldn't... I was, like, early in the podcast, I was, like, I'm fearless. And then I was, like, for a while, I was, like, didn't even know how to, like, kind of, like, approach doing a second project because I was, like, I felt like the first one was so me. And, like, it literally sounds like me. And I'm, it literally... I don't know how to describe it. My friends are, like, your music is just your personality in, like, a music and my synesthesia and stuff but the second project's already so much stronger so i'm like no fear all right uh so we like to end on a little bit of a lightning round so first question who's your dream artist collab oh that's such a good question um dream artist collab tame and paula or james blake boats planes trains or cars i honestly romanticize train rides same big same i love them so much what's your dream venue to play um like honestly probably the man center because it's just it would be like such a hometown show that's a good one yeah 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 um if you could give advice to your 14 year old self what would you say don't do 60 (laughs) (laughs) i if i were to go back i wouldn't change a thing because it made me into the person i am today but i would never wish upon anyone and i feel like if i were gonna look at my 14 year old self i'd be like I don't even like I my 14 year old self like I cry when I think about her because 
like I have all these journals with like her that exist like she exists like in my life and like she like had no idea that like life was gonna play out and like all of these dreams like dreams just like come true over time you know like it's all part of the storybook it's all part of the process and I would just be like just trust the process like trust the process like you're doing like just literally trust the process stop dating emotionally unavailable girls but you have to learn that on your own and practice like but she did all those things eventually so just trust I think I my younger self had so much anxiety and I just honestly from Adderall but like just trust the process like you'll be fine I think genuinely, if you went to your like younger self and you just told him like, hey, it all works out, that would just be like such a weight off it. Because like anxiety, like nostalgia is just like thinking about the past, but without the anxiety, because you know, like things worked out and stuff. Wait, I've never thought, I need to write that down. Wow. Nostalgia is just- So many bones Thinking about the past without anxiety. Yeah. I I stole that from BJ Novak, but- um, Thanks, BJ Novak. Yeah. Shout out to him. Shout out. Yeah, it's a good thing. Are you guys uh, in school in Philly? Uh, no I'm in, oh, no, Josh is in school. I'm uh, in, well, I teach at Temple, uh, but okay. I um, I go to school. Uh, I'm getting my master's in biomedical sciences at a school in New Jersey, a little bit outside Philly. Where? Uh, Rowan, School of Osteopathic Medicine. Cool. I know what that is. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I graduated cool. 2020 from tcj okay, okay we're yeah we're all probably like yeah we're all yeah, yeah, same age we're all 98 babies well not as 97 i was alive in 97 for literally six days i so. love that mm-hmm. anyway wait josh is your question oh yeah uh have you seen whiplash okay you know i get that question a- i used to get that question a lot and i've still never seen it really why haven't I? When I come to Philly, I'm gonna make sure I've watched it before. Yeah, watch it before. We'll yeah. discuss it next we'll time. If you it. don't watch it, I'm gonna throw a chair at you. No, no, <laughs> literally, I need to watch it. I don't know why I haven't. Like, I'll watch it this week. Like, I'm not. Yeah. There's no reason at this point. It's just been off my radar for a while. Like, I feel like it was like all the rage, and like everybody was like, "Watch it, watch it," and I don't know why that never happened for me. <laughs> I love movies though. Um, rapid fire. My brain is not braining. We've done so many interviews in the past. You could um, say, if, ask me if I'm in a relationship. I don't know if that's a question that people No, no, ask, ask that. Ask that. Yeah, okay. Are you in a relationship? I am actually very single. Okay, well, this is all our listeners. Hey, man, she's coming to Philly, so we can change that. Uh, <laughs> Screaming. Um, no, I'm very single. I love being alone. And one of the things I've realized with being single is like, um, I want a partner who's very aligned with my career path, as well as like, like, I want a partner that's a musician, honestly, but like, yeah. Well, have and I, I got the person free? No, no. <laughs> and I like, I am, and I'm also not pressed. I like don't want to be in a relationship with the wrong person. Like I just, I feel like the right person will come at the right time, but I love the time I have alone. Like I love mm-hmm. my alone time. I love making music. I love having no one on my thought process. I'm glad you have a really healthy outlook on singlehood. That's like very refreshing. Oh my God. It's amazing. If you don't like, I don't want to be with someone that doesn't have that outlook on being single too. I do not believe in serial monogamy. 
yeah, no, definitely hear that. Um, okay, uh, so I always have to make sure we ask this to LA artists, but uh, have you had any celebrity encounters? I said that weird, but one second. Have you had any celebrity encounters? Oh yeah, of course, so many. But I never like, I don't get- um, Starstruck. No, I don't get starstruck. Like I don't, if it was Tame Impala or James Blake, like it might be a little bit different. Beyonce mm -hmm. might be a little bit different, you know, but I don't, just don't get starstruck really anymore. Like, I just feel like a lot of my friends are big artists too. And like, we're up and coming artists. And I've watched a lot of my friends like rise to fame in different ways. Um, and I feel like it's like normalized all of it for me. And like, I, I feel like I just see myself in like, a, I don't know. Yeah. Those spaces I I'm in spaces similar adjacent or like in those, do you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, yeah no, definitely. You also really like casually drop that you're friends with like Amber and Abron. I was just oh like, my God. Oh. She's literally my mentor. We've, she like took me under her wing. She's the reason I produce. Also, I don't know if I said that on the podcast, but she's the reason I started producing. She like literally hit me up and she was like, come over. I'm going to show you some stuff. And then gave me like a four hour lesson and then gave me a bunch of samples. I was like, go make music. Okay. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wait, I didn't know you know Amber because when I said Moonchild, no one reacted. So I was okay, like, so I've been <laughs> reacting, but also like, <laughs> I don't know, like it's oh kind of hard to see. Yeah, I, I have to text her after this, being like, I just was interviewed and the person loves you. Um, <laughs> she's so humble, dude. We got coffee like a few days ago, and I'm like, she was talking about like this project she's working on, doing her thing, and then like she just makes incredible art and I was like you know you've literally impacted so many people and I tell her that like every time we're together like and she's just like she's so humble to the point where I'm like are you aware of that? <laughs> oh man that's cool okay she like is like the reason that project exists is is who I yeah that's really awesome and is the reason I haven't taken that song off the project because like I've outgrown the song, but her feature is so good that I'm like mm. whatever. Mm. Actually, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to hear like the world hear that because that's gonna be sick. Yeah, she's dope. Yeah. Oh, yay! I love when people know Amber. That makes me <laughs> so happy. She's so she's the goat. Yeah. Mm. We we brushed by this quickly, but like, uh, did you write any songs for the Pink Tuxedos? Oh my god. Oh my God. So do you know what's so funny? I manifested that band. My little 11 year old <laughs> self manifested that band. So I ended up going to a sleepaway camp for five years, starting going into sixth grade until going into sophomore year of high school was the last year. And I was in a band called Pink Tuxedo and it was like an all girls rock band. I'm the only one that ended up doing music from that band, but we're still all friends. And like, we literally were like camp famous. I'm not That's even really cool. photos. There are videos of us on YouTube that should be like literally burned. But like, <laughs> I, if I like, I feel like the name Pink Tuxedo is like, now I'm like, that would be an iconic band name. I mean, if you want to bring it back, like, I mean, like, Ronnie, yeah. I was like, I love my artist name so much, like Ronnie Adi. But like, if I want to do a project under like an alias, like Pink Tuxedo. Even just like as a beat maker, like I had the band Cerulean in college, which like was my band. Literally my bass is blue. 
um, because of cerulean and like the strap literally says cerulean on it. Like it's like a funk. It was so crazy. I found a voice memo of this song from them from this live performance we did the other day, and it was like the honestly the voice memo was fucking insane. I was like, what is this? If you guys ever, if you guys love music, I can send you the voice. I was literally gonna it's ask, like, like do you have, song. do you have like anything like streaming or anything, or is it just in your Personal. it's like a soundcloud link that i can send you but yeah. i truly you have to like so the band was super improv it's structured improv is how i would mm-hmm. describe the song so it was like it was a fundraiser for um my this guy that i grew up with his name cj he was like dating my sister at the time but i'd known him since i was six he had a severe asthma attack from the wildfires in norcal and like literally has been in persistent major tape state ever since the reason i bring that up it was a fundraiser for him so the energy in the room was crazy like these are all people that are like very like spiritual people that like love cj so much and like my band cerulean i was 20 at the time my band was like headlining it was like 2018 like march and um it was like literally five years ago now um which is crazy to think about but um, so the, we started the set and I looked at Jordy, who's best friends with CJ. And th- I was like, Jordy's an insane vocalist. And I was like, we'd never played together. We had never made music. And I was like, Jordy, I'm going to call you in and you're going to improv. I am not even kidding. I listened to that voice memo. Like, listen, if I've sent you it, you have to listen to the whole thing. on like, the yes. or something. No, because I say like, you think you get, it sounds like an entire album. It's longer than my EP. Like it's 18 minutes, but like the energy in the room is like felt and like partway through, like, and partway through, like there's this like crazy transition that happens. And like, I start playing, like I, it's just like bass and drums at one point and everybody just starts chanting my name. And it's just so Uh. cute. every the energy in the room is like felt like my friend and I sat down and listened to the whole thing and we were both like I feel like we were transported into the memory and maybe it's like the type of thing that like I feel this way because it's like myself and like my music and but when I was listening to it with my friend LJ who like loved loved Cerulean and like still is like bring back Cerulean like it was crazy it was crazy the improv was just like the vocal improv was like in and of itself but the intro was so intense it was a really intense band yeah please send it i will definitely like i want to have this religious experience it was like and it's so funny because you listen to my music now and it's so pop and polished um and this is like a voice memo that is like crazy Mm. but it's like an out like listen to it as if it's like you're listening to like a live performance of an album is how because there are parts of it that are so intense and you're like this is too jazzy but just like stick out those parts like I promise because the transitions the release of tension that comes from those chaotic moments is it's I'm not even I'm talking about my own like younger self no but it's not even about me it's about like that night the energy is just like yeah I'm so glad I have that recording it's just felt Mm -hmm. I'm excited baby Ronnie yeah baby Ronnie Okay. Okay. Anything else we want to just get to before we wrap this up fully? I think we're good. Okay. This cool. was like literally so great. I'm really guys. glad you had a fun time because I had we such have a fun one more time. Question, yes. Yeah. We have two. So we always end up two. these final two questions. Uh, but so, you know, you got this awesome EP that's about to drop. Uh, any 
Uh, any plans to submit this for grammar consideration? I didn't even know that was a thing that I could do. So in, yeah. I think I, I don't know if I have to join the academy if I do that. So you don't, you just need somebody who's affiliated with the academy to submit it for you. And uh, oh, even Amber. if you don't get picked. Yeah, yeah. So you got, you already got the plug right there. I mean, she was like nominated um, literally just like a month ago, I think. Whatever the Grammys were. Yeah, shout out to her. Um, yeah, we, we got to talk more <laughs> later. But anyway, yeah. Uh, listen, y'all know us at the Opus Podcast. All right, we're just about here uh, trying to lift up the indie artists, trying to get them ready for that time where they are on that Grammy stage, accepting that award. And we, you know, we get a lot of artists coming through and uh, I love each and every one of them that comes through here. But I just really got to say, like, of the people who I think are like up next, you really got that vibe down to you. Uh, so I'm really excited to have gotten to meet you today, get to know you a little bit more, uh, excited to watch your growth and see you do great things here. And, uh, I feel like Grammy is definitely going to be in the future for you. So, uh, you know, with that all being said, why don't you, uh, practice giving that Grammy speech right now? Um, totally. So is this like a, th a theoretical Grammy? Yeah. A theoretical Grammy. You, okay, you got this... album of the year for the EP. Oh, oh my God. I am <laughs> crying. I can't believe I'm here right now. My younger self would literally be, I have a video of when I was nine, like practicing a Grammy speech and she would just be so fucking proud of this moment. Um, I just want to say thank you, Cole, for like always believing in me and pushing me and like being my collaborator on everything that I do. I want to shout out to my family because without your support, I would have never been who I am now your like unconditional love and support has like really shaped me into who I am and like pushed me to be on this stage right now. I want to shout out to Amber for showing me how to produce when I was like 21 or like showing me production when I was younger. Um, and yeah, just like, thank you to all my friends. I love each and every one of you. I'm so blessed for this community and like, yeah, so much more to come. Thank you guys. I can't believe that I'm here right now. <laughs> That's I love beautiful. how I like pretended like I had it. Like, you dog. were literally, you were so ready for that. Yeah. No, I was that like, was... wait, like a fake Grammy speech? Oh. <laughs> you, you know what? Here's the thing though. Like I, I genuinely think every artist has thought about it and it's really nice when like, like a lot of them will like, hit me with that like faux humble, like, oh, you know, I have, I don't know what to say and stuff like that. But I really like the ones that come here and like say what they were going to say because I, I respect that very much. And I'm like still, you know, confident. Like yeah. that's how I describe it. That's what you gotta be. And like I really appreciate somebody who owns that. You oh, I think any person that has immense success has to be somewhat delusional. Because like delusion is only delusional for people that don't believe in themselves. Like none of it is really that delusional. It's like if someone else did it, like why can't I? That's really true. Yeah. Um <laughs> Oh man, I really uh, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, I'm having a transformative experience in this yeah. chat oh, right now. That makes me <laughs> so happy. I'm so excited for like I'm just like really blessed to be here. Like uh, honestly, this podcast has given me life. I know that I've been. I just like love talking to you guys. I got you. That's great. I really I'm glad you enjoyed this experience because I really did too. Um, real quick, shout out where the people can find you on social media. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Ronnie D on TikTok, um, at Ronnie D and listen to my music, Ronnie D. 
on all, right. all streaming platforms. Y'all heard the women go stream, go follow, go comment, like, subscribe, do everything. Like, you know, y'all already know. Okay, she's up. You, you guys heard the music at this point. You know that talent is undeniable. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited. What, are, what do you call it, your fans? Are they like the Uddy heads? Oh my God. I, I've actually, genuinely, I had thought about the Grammy speech, but like I've never had someone like. Nobody thinks me, about this like, one, but like I want to give your fandom like a Ronnie name. Stans? The Ronnie stands. Ronnie stands. Is that a good one? Like a D? Like I don't know. I don't have enough of a fan base yet for me to like know what to call them. I think Uddy stand works because it sounds like a country. So, but you know what? Oh I'll let God, you workshop it. Does. I need to think it? about it. Like, I need to think about it, but now I'm like, oh. Okay. Well, all right. Listen, go join the Ronnie Hive. Get in on, get in while you still can on the ground floor because, like, you know, give it a couple months and everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, this can be too, that's too mainstream at that point. Like, she's just blowing up so much. You're just hopping <laughs> on the train. You know, get on while the bandwagon's, bandwagon hasn't left the station yet. Hmm. Oh. This is giving me so much life. You uh, so sweet. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my Yay. god, of course.